Welcome to the Evolved Caveman Podcast. I am Dr. John, the guide for your heroic journey towards greater health, success, and most importantly, happiness. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, this is Dr. John, and a quick PSA regarding my new virtual men's group that meets on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Pacific time. There's only a few spots left, but I thought you might want to know about it. It's a quick, easy, and cheap way to work with me. And maybe some of you have a career. Maybe you've made some money. Maybe you have a reputation for yourself at work. But maybe what you lack is things like happiness or purpose, a fulfilling relationship or a healthy sex life, the passion, happiness, and ease that you once had with your spouse an emotion other than numbness, disconnection, or irritability. This group is for men who are trying to be values-driven, interested in lifelong learning, and curious about how to become the best possible versions of themselves. The group is not for men who want to remain in the comfort zone while sitting at home watching TV. So again, group meets weekly, Wednesday, 7 p.m., It's only $95 per session, and you can call 510-863-0057 for more details. That's 510-863-0057. And now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. John back with another episode of the Evolved Caveman Podcast. And I am really excited to have with me today Lois Hollis. Lois is an RN, a BSN, an REV at age 12. I don't know what those last... (laughs) <laughs> acronyms are for a reverend i'm a reverend oh reverend okay what's bsn cover all the courses all the fields these days you know gotcha it's a little spirituality a little yeah, nurse, I mean, little that, science yeah. Yeah. um okay so she entered healthcare as a nurse's aide and her desire to understand and heal the body continues today at 79 as a shame and guilt educator counselor and now filmmaker she discovered that shame Guilt joined forces to create 24-hour negativity that causes emotional and physical illnesses. Shame talks in our sleep and guilt talks in our waking moments, telling us we are powerless and bad. Once Lois discovered that shame and guilt were responsible for her anxiety, depression, and life-threatening illnesses, she healed from childhood traumas and 30 years of migraines. She shepherds others out of crisis now, seeking success or spiritual growth with her knowledge of how to identify, release, and avoid shame guilt. She authored three books. Lois aspires to use the magic of film to make shame guilt visual. Her documentary series, I'm Good, will illustrate the shame guilt dangers and how to avoid them. And she refers to shame and guilt as shame guilt. Lois, welcome. How are you? I'm good because I put shame guilt together, not one over here and one over here. Exactly. And we will talk about that. I'm fascinated. So tell me a little bit about your story. So why is shame and guilt so important to you? Well, because it was killing me, but I did not know what was, you know, when you know the disease, you can at least try to figure it out. Yeah. But, you know, in my um, very darkest moments, I just saw depression and anxiety and anger. And the only way I knew out was suicide, Mm -hmm. which is like unimaginable because my whole career has always been about moving and creating and helping and i started as a nurse somewhere in my 20s and continued on i did not like the floor nursing 
no. it wasn't well organized, even though it was like in 1960. So I can't even imagine anyway. So <laughs> I um, eventually was asked to join the um, nephrology division because of my skills. And because um, I worked in the operating room also. And they needed somebody with a lot of different skills. So they, this um, department of jo um, Thomas Jefferson University Hospital in Philadelphia got the uh, one of the first grants to make a kidney hemodialysis unit. Mm. And I was the forerunner with helping, you know, design machinery and help take care of patients and what are the criteria. And that's what I did. I Fantastic. helped develop the first kidney unit for the hemodialysis, which is now all over the globe. Right. But this is in 1966, way before transplantation. So that started me uh, being creative because I saw a need. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I, um, since nobody else was doing it, I said, sure, we can do this. Just having the confidence to know. And it did work. And I helped, you know, all the procedures. And I helped start home hemodialysis as well. And we had a hepatitis epidemic in the unit, which is not unusual, but that's way before hepatitis became more visible, especially yeah. with the vaccine. So, well, so let, me, let me interrupt there for a second, because it seems like you had a, an accomplished career. It seems like you had a meaningful career, and yet you were still taken down by depression and anxiety via shame, guilt. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's... It's amazing. Although I totally feel you, I totally get it because I've dealt yeah. with depression myself. So um, I know that's what uh, it's like incredible. Uh, and I had no problem speaking globally <laughs> and, you know, to the department heads of all the hospitals, you know, and teaching them. And the only person ahead of me was the president of the hospital said, because I said, I can't be under nursing service because I'm doing other things. So they said, no problem, Lois, we take care of you. So yes, that was like incredible. But somewhere um, I left dialysis after about 12 years because I needed a break. I, I was a consultant then for the area. I loved that job. I mm. love people asking my opinion and I was paid for it. To me, that was mm -hmm. the best job. <laughs> I love that. It does I feel good, that. yeah. That's a feel good. That's yeah. That was my step down um, profession. Anyway, so I married and wanted to have children. And I had three miscarriages, mm. which were very shaming and guilting. Uh, can, you, can you tell me, like, tell me a little bit about that, if you would. Like, how does that feel? How, like, how did that shame guilt arise? Was that coming from other people onto you? Was that internal as well? From my internal. Okay. I mean, shame, it's internal. We have the inner critic telling us, but we can make friends with the inner critic. Right. That's well, and the reason I ask is my mom had a series of miscarriages before she had uh, me. And I think she, I think there was internal, but I think it was also placed upon her external, oh, of like her mother-in-law, which is just of course. hard to comprehend. Well, no, well, Shame guilt comes from your mothers, your fathers, your grandmothers, the priests, the pope, yeah. the president, um, your friends and your enemies. media, yeah, everything. So we don't know it's shaming and guilting. We're here to help, but it comes in the words, and that's why I 
you know, explain that the words bring the energy or tone of voice. That's energy. Yeah. Tone of voice, words, words are bullets. Yeah. Either hearts or bullets. <laughs> so that's how we have to think of words. And it's the tonality of that. But back to the miscarriage. Oh my God, it was my fault. Oh. What did I do wrong? Did you have a thought of, I'm less of a woman? Of Is course. That okay. Of course. Uh, All of it. I, I think those are important to call out also, because I just to normalize that for other people. Yeah, I, I think I was, it's very common. Um, especially now with all the vaccines and stuff. That's a whole nother story. But I can talk about my experience, how devastating it was being a holy Catholic Christian, right? Mm. And what did God do to punish you and mm. all the other things? I mean, I was taught, we were all taught that way. But the um, I lost two babies at three months mm. pregnancies. And uh, it's because I had incompetent cervix. Anyway, um, but that, pardon me, that yeah, phrase that, is funny to me. That well, it was a hormonal disturbance, and then I carried another child. But it sounds like you have a stupid cervix. Yeah, but I didn't. <laughs> know, but I but I didn't know that. Okay. Until I carried a baby to seven months. Okay. And then I lost the baby because of the mm. incompetent cervix. That's when the depression was so severe. I yeah. just remember walking in the woods. Uh, I, I, I had no, I, there was no framework for that. Did you have any permission to grieve the loss of those three? I don't know what that is. Today we say that. Yeah. We don't, we're talking about 1968. Yeah, okay. There was no grief counselor. Yeah. There was no counseling on, um, I'm you know, really it was a do experience. It, that's it was, that's why, you know, I talked to people. They said, I said, I did not have a shame guilt educator talk to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so fortunately for me in my childhood at this point of severe depression, um, I automatically, remembered something and um i don't bring this up all the time but i think we can tie it all together i was um i saw i was i don't know four or five years old something like that my neck was broken was, i mean someone was my someone twisted my neck and sat on my head in a croak i had c1 c2 and c3 broken wow yeah that i'm talking about severe abuse okay it wasn't oh, like oh man. don't do okay. this Jeez. You know, okay. So, um, but of course I died. I mean, you, you die from injuries like that, correct? Yeah. But I, I did, but I, I just remember this hand coming out and saying, you'll be okay now. Wow. And after that, things changed. Um, I, I was able to be telepathic with another dimension. Hmm. And can you receive messages from, I mean, what? Like I'm talking to you, I'll uh -huh. be talking to them. <laughs> um, and has that existed your whole life then? Yeah, that problem was, is that fast track in my career, I'm talking about shame, guilt, and the energy, and how it does this and does that. Yeah. And people say, no, I don't understand what you're talking about. I'm going, don't you see that? And they go, Lois, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I got to go to film school to make a film of what I see. 
And that's yeah. when I remembered that everybody doesn't do that. Right. Because I couldn't read when I was a ch young child. Uh, I was called an idiot child because I was so dyslexic and all the uh, brain traumas, right? Yeah. I had Irin syndrome, I-R-L-E-N. That's when you, all the words move. Mm -hmm. And I remember standing in, that's another member, I stayed in front of the class and I asked the teacher, which was a, a nun, how do you stop the words from moving? They hit me in the face go to the back of the room so the next day they called me back to read again so i'm very creative i'm just a creative for obviously yeah so i turned the book upside down because i thought if i can't read this way sure right, if i turn it upside down um i got hit again for being um funny and i remember them uh, calling my parents in and said she is an idiot child who cannot learn in front of you. Yeah, my yeah. my parents and you have other children and please put your energy into them wow. because she is unteachable and we will keep her in school because we're a Catholic institution, but she has to sit in the back of the class. We will never test her. And I was happy. Because nobody bothered me yeah. to read or write or, and, and then all of a sudden I keep passing tests and I'm doing well. And by payment, I wanted to tap dance. That's all I wanted to do. So finally about well, seven or eight, I start tap dancing and I tap dance all through my life through high school. Hmm. And I think it brought the left and right brain together. In synchrony. Yeah. Yeah. So, and with the help of another dimension, I healed enough to you know, do a lot of things. And people say, how did you know that? In the I'm going, yeah. well, everybody knows it. They said, did you read the New York Times? I go, I never read the Times. I don't read any book, really. But anyway, they, I do things. I just know things. So people say, how did you know the chain? I said, because I just know things. I can't well, it, it. It reminds me of Abraham Hicks. And like, I saw the, the diagram um, from your website that has shame, guilt at the very bottom of an emotional spectrum yeah. and shame, guilt, according to you is <clears throat> the most, the lowest vibrational energy. Yeah. That's David the Hawkins. Most... Oh, is David okay. Hawkins. He made the map of consciousness. He okay. now lives in heaven and yeah, enlightenment is 700,000 and you being a very learned scholar, that's huge. To the 30th power. Wow. 700,000 with 30 zeros. It's just too much to put in a graph for yeah. people, you, you know. But that's enlightenment. That's the highest that we can and should be able to be at. That's who we are. And at 200, it changes from positive to negative, to anger, depression. Um, jealousy and so forth and so on. The lowest, now he has two graphs. One's guilt less and one's shame. But shame, guilt being the same energy comes in at 10. 10. Is there a zero? Or one? Death. Oh, Death. okay. So tell me, define so that's shame. That's why I became shame, <laughs> guilt educator because I said you can't be in shame, guilt. 
So now, yeah, you define correct. shame guilt for me, if you would. Okay. And again, as you um, are learned, being in that spectrum, I'll go a little bit more deeper. Shame goes on our unconscious mind. Guilt is seen in the conscious mind. But it's the same energy circuit. One's autonomic and one's conscious. Okay. We have two nervous systems. Guilt on one, shame on the other. But it's still our nervous system. But the way medicine works, if you have a virus in your brain, they call it meningitis. If you have the same virus in your stomach, they call it gastritis. The same virus in your liver, they call it hepatitis. They may give you the same antibiotic, but they call it different diseases because it's in different locations, mm-hmm. a.k.a. shame and guilt when it's shame, guilt. So would you agree with the definition of shame that it is a belief that we're unworthy of love, belonging, and connection? True. Shame is um, I'm not good enough to be loved and guilt is I did something wrong. That's true. But where does that take you? Well, and and I think the first step is how do you you identify that? Well, because the first step is to realize that we have shame in us. Because I mean, as of four years ago, if you would have asked me if I had shame in me, I would have said, no, like I'm I'm shame free. Right. And then I realized I, I looked more closely at it and I was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, there is some shame in me at times. Okay. People that say I have no shame guilt in me, I said, have you ever been depressed or anxious or angry? They said, yeah. I said, that's shame guilt. How do you make that jump? Pardon? How do you make that jump? Okay. Think of yourself being depressed Mm -hmm. and take it down. Why am I depressed? What happened to me? You will, I 100% bet on this. If I was a betting woman, you would find it was sourced by a shameful experience that happened to you. Mm, all yeah, negativity, all negativity comes from the shame, the shame guilt energy. Shame guilt turns our positive emotions into negative ones. See, we each emotion has a positive and a negative orientation. It isn't that we have two emotions. It's a one emotion with a negative and a positive orientation. Mm-hmm. When the shame guilt, and I'm not the only one that said that. There was um, Deborah, I uh, forget her name, uh, many years ago, who had died from cancer. She's the only one I've ever heard say that, but that's what I received. Anyway, so when shame guilt energy comes into you with the words, you stupid jerk, or, you know, you caused that miscarriage, or what did you do wrong? Those words translate to energy. Mm-hmm. energy. Compassion turns to depression. Intuition turns to anxiety. Our passion turns to anger. So I was so excited. Like, I don't have to go to therapy for depression, anxiety, um, not good enough. I'll be dead before I'm finished. I mean, there's so many issues. All I have to do is get rid of the shame, guilt, energy causing it. So that's my premise. And that's why it's the shortcut to healing. But I've had um, a person come to me about two, three weeks ago saying, 
can you please help me out of depression? But I don't think you can. I said, why do you say that? He said, because I've been in therapy for two years getting rid of depression. All they do is manage depression. If you tell me to manage depression, I'm going to shoot you. (laughs) I said, you are correct. He said, really? I said, yes. You will never get rid of depression unless you get rid of the shame, guilt, energy that's fueling it. So let me back up just a second. So how do you, what what is the opposite of shame, guilt? If there's a plus and a minus. There's nothing. It's not an emotion. It's an energy that translates to an emotion. Shame, guilt is just bad energy. It's like a leech. And that's why I made a film to show you it's a thing. Okay. You can't heal shame, guilt. Oh my God. How do you heal the monster? It's a leech. It's a leech. It's a whole paradigm shift that I'm doing here. And to help you out, what do you see about the love energy? Like what does love give us? What does love do to you? Relaxes us, opens us up. What emotions do you feel when you feel love? Happiness, peace, relaxation, contentment, joy, excitement, confidence. Yeah. Confidence, love, compassionate, giving. So love energy gives you many feelings. Correct? Okay, I'll buy that. Shame guilt energy gives you negative feelings. Okay. That's it. So how do we go about managing our shame guilt? You don't manage it. How do you heal it? You don't heal it. What do you do with it? You you kick it out. It doesn't belong to you. What benefit does shame guilt have to you? Zero. None. Exactly. But what benefit does shame guilt get from you? It lives. It it lives off of your light energy. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a vampire. It is a vampire. It is a leech. Several posts have named it the alien invader, the Mm. shame guilt vampire, the evil wizard that messes with your mind. These are all from the people that, like you, they go, oh, it's a vampire. I said, yeah, that can, you can call it anything you want, John. But it's a substance put upon humanity. Uh, that's a whole nother story. To help humanity to devolve. Sorry, I figured another metaphor there. It's also like the Marvel antihero Venom. It's yeah, whatever. I don't know you if you're familiar to... with that guy. But no, but just you, crossed my I, mind. I, can, I, can I put it to my list? Sure, I have a list. Sure. Right. And that's why shame guilt energy is so difficult to define because you, John, I, Lois, Jane also has their own concept of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's why it's the ultimate trickster. And shame guilt energy only has one defect. And that is? It dissolves in detection. Yeah, I've heard that it can't withstand the light of day. It can't withstand being shared. It it doesn't hold up to inspection. The Wizard of Oz. You Mm. remember Dorothy going up to the yellow brick road? (gasps) 
seeing the all and powerful Oz, the wizard. And what does Toto do? Goes behind the curtain, I believe. He pulls the curtain back with his teeth. And what do we see? A little old man, bald and gray, with a big, big machine. What is it doing? Puffing green smoke. Yeah, amplifying his voice. What does Shane Gilk do? It's a puff of green smoke. And that's the image I want to give to people to downplay it. It's voice. They, was that their, their voices louder than their words or their, their roar? I forget this. There's a saying yeah. that um, their voices harder than their actions or yeah. something like that. There's, and it's true. It's all fear. Fear is shame, guilt, too. Yeah. Fear is labeled. It's locked in. Fear is locked in shame, guilt. Depression is not easier to get rid of. It's more, it doesn't have as many layers. So it sounds like to me so far, we've got acknowledge the fact that you have shame, guilt, be aware of it, label it. And then what you're saying is kick it to the curb or expose it to the light of day so that it goes up in a puff of smoke. Is there more to it than that? Yes. Now, what does Sansun say the, in the altar war? Know thy enemy. Yes. Okay. That's where we, all of us, even the smart ones of us, we, we don't know what shame guilt is. Mm-hmm. And that's why I have a book, 500 Questions, One Answer. I have 500 ways people shame us unknowingly. Yeah. Because that's the, that's the way it is in this world. Well, think of what we got from our parents, right? You should be ashamed of yourself. Of course. Now, I have this wonderful book. How to be a Pardon? And see, what's the title? How to be a Jewish mother. Mother. Okay. Okay. And we call it the Jewish people have nothing on all of us. Italian, I'm 100% Polish, I understood. So this is interesting. Catholics and Jews kind of excel at guilt. They do a great job. At least the religions in particular. Oh, they do a great job. They glorify guilt. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now think of. Dr. David Hawkins' um, illustration. Guilt is the worst energy level that you can be in. And yet I've seen so many people try to motivate others through the use of guilt. guilt. Of course. Because it works. It works. Temporarily. But but for people evolving, evolve, hey man, they ain't going to work. Yeah. I, I feel like punching them in the screen. (laughs) <laughs> it's very difficult for me to hold back like how dare you tell people that ah. i agree it does a lot of damage okay so making guilt work <clears throat> is one of the titles underlining all techniques the jewish mother must have the ability to plant. and this is word for word plant cultivate and harvest guilt Control guilt and control the child. Let your child hear you sigh every day. If you don't, what he's done to make you suffer. That's that's not tongue in cheek or not an attempt to be humorous. I think it tends to be a little humorous, but man, it's true. Wow, that's. 
five ways to master the technique of suffering. I mean, I read some of this and I'm going, wow, yeah, that happened. Yep, yep. Go ahead and anything that your child brings to you that's good news, make sure you tell them the opposite of what could happen and let <laughs> him leave in pain. Oh, that's brutal. My, you, you don't get your neck broken for nothing. Yeah. Okay. This is real. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. I'm like, you're not, uh, no, it's happened. And if your mother didn't say it, your brother did. And if your yeah. brother didn't, your friend did. And if nobody did it, I remember I was around seven years old making my first Holy Communion, standing in line for confession, you know, Catholic. And we had to go to confession every couple of weeks. Okay. And I'm, I'm like third in line to see the priest to tell him all my sins. And I start crying, crying hysterically. So the, t the holy nun comes over and says, what is wrong? I said, I can't find my sins. Hmm. And if I don't say my sins, God won't love me and I'll go to hell. I remember that moment crying and crying. What does a seven-year-old child that goes to Mass and Communion every day, has a Polish family, 100%, goes home, plays the piano or something, and that's all I do. Yeah. How am I sinning? You have sins. But I can't find my sins. Can I make them up? But I can't lie. Yeah. God won't love me. I'll never forget that moment. That's real. That's yeah. real, John. Yeah. That's real. Yeah, and so when tough. you have a miscarriage, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Yeah, you're naturally trained to look for what did we do wrong. Okay. Now, talking about training, the inner critic is trained. Now, we have evolved somewhat, <laughs> getting better. Yeah. But our inner critic has not. Our inner critic is still living in the time. My inner critic was living in 1950. I was mm -hmm. born in 1945, 43. No one told him I'm an adult now. It's right. the year 2023. So I had, you know, when I can't do that, I would say, who's talking? Yeah. Eventually, the king part of me talked. And we, you know, I didn't say you have to change because he's narcissistic. That would be narcissistic. <laughs> so we had to make a communication. And now he changed his job. Yeah. He well, now podcasts. I mean, it's sorry to interrupt. It, it sounds to me like, well, and I've thought a lot about this, like where does that inner critic develop? And I think often it comes from criticisms that our parents had for us when we were quite young. We internalize those voices and then we augment them and they get louder and worse. And what you're saying kind of speaks to like internal family systems where we have an internal conversation, yeah. like our core self with that inner critic and you have a conversation with them, you know, thank you for the job Helping that you're trying me, to but do. You, I said, would you like more power? Mm -hmm. and he goes, Oh, more power. And I said, you can have more power when I get more power. See the shame guilt <clears throat> well, is the glass ceiling. Yeah. That's well, and I think that, um, I think the other thing to do there is to thank them for their role. They're trying to protect us oh, some level or get us to be successful or achieve. And so I think to have that conversation, ask them if they're willing to switch roles where they can become a trusted advisor or confidant. 
Right. And in addition, you know, you, Mr. Inner Critic, allow me to have my own thoughts and my own feelings and decide my behaviors in the moment. You're going to give up that part of your role because they really didn't want that role in the first place, I would argue. Well, they did because that was their job. But I and think they prior, to that, prior to them learning that job, they had a positive role. I don't, I don't know that. Because I, I don't, don't think I had an inner critic at one or two. Um, I don't know that. That's my, I, that's I, my guess. Yeah. But that's okay. Because we all have a different inner family system. Right. Okay. Um, I have like 10 people that I work with. And that's yeah. my film. I made a film of all of these. Awesome. Like, like you, you know. You I, only have 10? Yeah, I have depression. You know, one was um, Sally and one was um, Unstoppable and King and um, Jennifer was the hatred. See, I like have names for them. They gave them names. Were they all different ages? Yes. Yeah. And it was interesting. The Hurt was the youngest one. Yeah. And King is the oldest one. He's a teenager. Hello. So anyway... I asked King, would you like a job promotion? Mm-hmm. He said, yes. I said, but you can get a promotion. It isn't changing jobs. He got a job promotion with vacation. <laughs> I like the idea of vacation. That's a good one. Right. And that's what sold King, that yeah. he didn't have to do the guard like the uh, at the London, how they go back and forth. Back yeah. and forth. He needed a vacation. He was tired. I said, you can have a vacation and a job promotion if you let me have a promotion. Well, and I like those ideas, the idea that those parts of us that you're talking about developed usually because of some trauma or criticism at a young age. And they're, they're stuck at that age and they haven't really communicated with and our, what, what stuck them there. Why are they stuck? I, my guess is you would say shame, guilt. I would say because that. Because shame, guilt is blue. Right. And people say, oh, I just have traumas that come back to me and keep coming back. I said, of course you will. And it strikes me that maybe they're they're stuck there because of shame, guilt. They're also trying to prevent shame, guilt. That's a thought. But I mean, because a lot of times it's, you know, fear of embarrassment, fear of negative judgment. I'm a people pleaser. You're trying to get people you're trying to keep people from getting upset with you or get them you're trying to keep from being embarrassed or you're trying to make yourself achieve with the underlying reason for that being, I want to stay away from anger or sadness or hurt and yeah, I.e. shame, guilt. But that limits you. Oh yeah. It, yeah. Absolutely. It limits you rather than saying it doesn't matter. It feels because like a circular dynamic where you just get trapped in the dynamic. People can do all they want on the phone. I just go, doing, 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 doing. I don't take it. No, 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 no. But did I do that five years ago? No, I wasn't that smart. Two years, two days later, I realized they shamed me. I would say it's not that it's not about being smart. It's about being aware and emotionally aware. Yeah, both. Both. Because you you get smarter. I I got smarter when the shame guilt left. It's amazing. I'm sure. And people call me. You get more confident. A year later, and they go, Lois, I have something to tell you. I go, what? He said, ever since I've been doing that shame, get your kick out stuff, I I was able to pass. I passed the bar, and I never knew I could do that. Wow. And I went, wow. And I went, I got smarter, too. 
So why would we ever want to use shame guilt? Well, I think that getting smarter is about believing in yourself more and being more confident in your knowledge base, which shame guilt definitely undermines. Well, it makes us stupid. It makes us victims. And I say, I, it, that's what it is. But everyone has the shame guilt energy. Yeah. Because if you have any negativeness about you, that's shame guilt. Now, I, you know, do session and help people to find the shame guilt and actually dimensionally get rid of it. You just can't really say, get rid of all the shame guilt. It has to be a process of you actually taking it out of you and you can so i that's what are you using visualization to do that um i guess you know i just i have a problem because i have always had inner sight Mm -hmm. like i can i can see in your body something that's not working right i never knew i did that until my husband's a chiropractor and who helped me heal all the stuff and and I, I touched his shoulder and I said, you know, that, that, but I don't know all the names of the bones, mm. but I said that when you go to right and it goes down, he said, how do you know that? I said, ah, because it's there and it's telling me to take it down. So, and I, I don't have the strength that he has. So he invented tools that I can move bones. Oh, okay. It's him. But I don't do that as a profession. I'm just saying I have right. So I see, I see, and I thought everyone did, but they don't. So that's why I made the film out of discord into harmony, something like the inside outside thing Mm -hmm. to show people what these inner parts of us look like and how you can talk to them. And I think that's really helpful. The um, being able to visualize or see it is helpful for a lot of people and having the language to speak to them and have these internal conversations is incredibly important to me. I I mean, in my own experience in the past few years, playing around with this internal family systems, which is kind of what you're talking about, I've seen movement in behaviors and reactions and emotions that I have not been able to touch in 55 years. Yeah. And the interesting thing is I tell people they, um, we all have an internal alarm clock. That's why I don't like hypnosis. Don't grab it. When we need to know something, we remember. Like you just said, at 55, I never thought of it. And like 10, I think it was like maybe 18, 15 years ago that I saw me lying on the ground and and someone pounced on my head and I walked back into the house and I don't remember after that until this hand came and said, you'll be okay now. And that was, that happened when I was four or five. So that's what, how many years ago? So let me ask you this, because I'm kind of curious about, you know, you were raised Catholic, but then you had this experience, which I could argue does not fit into that theological perspective. What is your spiritual or metaphysical perspective now? Like, how do you make sense of that? I just make sense of, that's a loaded question, but uh, (laughs) I love it. But the truth is, uh, through the years, um, and once I got rid of a lot of shame guilt, and I lived in Sedona, 
I, I one night I couldn't sleep at four in the morning. These words are in my head, but it wasn't thoughts. It was this energy, light. It, it was very dramatic words that were concise and clear. And I couldn't sleep and I was tired. So I said, okay, I'll get up and I'll write them. And the more I wrote, the more the words came. I did that for three months, writing till I fell asleep and then woke up with writing like it was 1,000 pages. Wow. I put into the computer because I hand wrote them. Anyway, till today, I write. But, so so what, what's the source of that information? Like, what, I mean, how do you it, make sense of that? It's, it's, it's me. It's, I'm not channeling voodoo da da or alien da 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 from the Pleiadians or it's me, my dimension. I have, you know, we have many dimensional selves mm -hmm. and I'm channeling the dimensional part of myself that has access to that light. It's called the light, light love realm. And I channel, talk here and I write. When, and here's the reason I asked the question is I, I interviewed a Catholic sister who was a sister for several decades and then I, I think quit because her, she was evolving spiritually and had a, a fascinating conversation with her, which involved, you know, quantum physics and kind of the need that, you know, God is evolution in many ways. Um, and so I was just curious if it's changed your well. God is here. I have a God self, mm -hmm. and there's a master God self to reality. But we are you. We are immortal spiritual beings capable of everything. That they said, "Who is your mentor?" People ask me that a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't have a mentor because everybody has not lived up to what I thought they would be. And I don't, I, I don't follow people. I, I follow people because like tech and all that stuff. I have to learn a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying I know everything. I, I pick people and I go, Oh man, that would be great. Thank you so much for helping me with that particular item. But their whole philosophy, I never, I, the only one that I mentor is I follow the footsteps of Jesus. Because that's who we really are. Jesus yeah. came here to show us who we are. I'm not preaching. You know, well, I'm, a, I'm a huge Jesus fan. I'm just not a huge organized religion fan. I'm not either. Because what they did was, oh, man, <laughs> I could talk about it. I don't know if I should talk about everything on the podcast. <laughs> but I follow the footsteps of Jesus. And I, I'm not like, um, I don't go to church because church is... What I talk with God all the time. I'm always yeah. writing. I'm always talking. I'm always talking. I, you know, it's like, it's like I never knew I wasn't. I was talking to Jesus, to the beings of myself and others since I was five years old. I'm always talking to another realm. Yeah. I'm never lonely. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it's fascinating to me. Um, and, and I hear what you're saying. So let me go back to the shame guilt for a second. So I don't, I don't know if you would call it visualization, but how do you lead people out of that shame guilt? What's the process? Well, how do you teach them to get rid of it. 
Well, um, that's what I do. I just have, and each one's different. So I can't okay. really give you like, we, um, you find it. Can you give me an example? Um, I can give you my example. Okay. And that's, see, what happened was, John, I got into the interpersonality parts. Someone mentioned that to me and that, and all of a sudden that night, everybody was starting to talk. Yeah, that, that makes immediate sense. Yeah, it's like, okay, 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 okay. And then, you know, um, I was with the group that was doing it. And I was like, man, they're all talking. And how did you get them to talk? I don't know. And I could become them either, too. Yeah. I could, I could well, easily. That's the hardest part in that process, I think, is getting them to talk to you. And it takes a little bit of practice. But I already was talking with other dimensions. That's why mm. it was so easy for me. Right. I think if you have an internal, like a lively internal life, that lively internal conversation, it's far easier and good imagination. Yeah. So, um, and that's why I just had to go on my own because it was like, this is how you do it. And I'm not a self-starter anyway. So um, I was starting to teach people how to do this and they were all were healing. And um, I go, this is pretty cool. So So when you say this, you were having internal conversations with those various parts of yourself in order and to that's what i teach people to do. okay that makes sense you know um i just want because to be what i say to people is I, i'm on a lot of mom podcasts and i say oh i can't do that i said okay when you're feeling that guilt shame stealth go away now is that going to get rid of it no but at least you you're you're focusing on it's not it's not important to deal with i can't deal with it it's a it's a immovable black rock okay my attention doesn't go there what are you feeling well gee i feel depressed because i can't do this and i can't do that and i'm not doing all this i say high depression high depression or you could say who's talking mm-hmm. That's my two lead in words yeah. for people. Or and, can I and speak like, to the part of me that it feels depressed? Yeah, exactly. So whatever, you know, and this is what is so great because everybody has their own. This is a natural way of healing. Yeah. So you have the natural words that click for you. What give clicks me for of, me. Give me some more of the languaging in those conversations. So let's okay. say the, the part is willing to come talk to you. And then where do you go with that? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that's a good start. <laughs> I mean, it's so easy. But it's I, not. I mean, I, I think so to profound. me, it's it's you know it's part so of it is profound. you can ask them what's their purpose and behaving as they do. How old are they? I think you introduce yourself as the core self to them because they don't know that you're I'm that I'm fifty five and that I'm a psychologist and that I've got all these tools. The main thing to have is you do not tell them anything they tell you damn you can't be narcissistic i know it's wrong i know it's good for you you can't do this you can't do that i can't that's narcissistic and you put them right back in shame well but i think that there's something important to because i like i had a part of me that didn't feel worthy of being loved it was like four years old and so I'm trying to explain to him and trying to reintroduce myself to that part of me to say, hey, look, I just want to let you know that this is who I am right now. And, and then you can have this conversation about, you know, thank you so much for the work that you've done. And, you know, do you want to keep continuing that work or would you consider a promotion or would you consider changing roles and then kind of have that conversation? 
Okay. And I would do say thank That's you. That's how I've done it anyway. Yeah, no, no. This thank you so much. Yes. For coming to talk to me. Because most of them don't. The inner critic I worked with, some people took like months before the inner yeah. critic would even say a word. But that's okay. They're playing you. Of course. <laughs> well, do you, do you ever talk to the parts that are protecting the part you're trying to get to? Yeah. Okay. But so you that's have, another strategy. Yeah. To- um, thank you so much for coming to talk to me. Uh, what, what do you like to do? You know, like if I wanted to be friends with you, what's your, yeah. what's your, what's the favorite thing you like to do? You would say, oh, I like to music. Oh, what kind of music? I'm making a friend with you. Right. I'm not saying I want to make it better where you do this. And I can't do, John, I want you to make spaghetti today and that'll be good for <laughs> you and take yes. your vitamins. Now, that's not a friend you got. I don't want to talk to her anymore. So I, I take it down a notch and say, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, You know, do do you have anybody, friends there? Do you have any brothers or sisters that I can talk to? What do you like to do? What kind of food do you like? What colors do you like? And then I said, I see you. And then if you look in their eyes, they become more real. Mm -hmm. And that's how I see them. Now, it's interesting, John, because I've been doing this for 15 years or so. And I would work with somebody for six months before anyone got to talk or, you know. Mm. Now, it's like a hundred monkey theory. I talk to somebody, I go, oh, yeah, I got Alice here talking to me and I got George over here. And I'm going, oh, my goodness. It works, the hundred yeah. monkey thing. So. That's what I'm saying to you. It's getting easier and easier. But then what I see, I ask that. See, the inner personality parts hold the shame guilt energy. You mm-hmm. don't. Yep, I agree and with that's you completely. how I evolved from the shame guilt uh, to shame guilt, incorporating that into interpersonal family systems. Yeah, this, this whole kind of approach has really been a game changer for me personally. And for the dozens of clients I've introduced it to, but I got to tell you, I felt a little sheepish bringing it up at first because I was like, you know, this sounds a little nuts, (laughs) but everyone that I brought it up to is like, oh yeah, I get it. That makes sense. Okay. What I say to people is that you are not schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. Nor multiple personality disorder. Correct. But the theory kind of operates as if we are slightly. Which is interesting to me. We are psychic. We are operating at 700,000 to the 30th power. Give me a break. And you're talking with people out of 10. Yeah. What do you expect? Duh. And and so I think we got to be, I I like your approach because I think we have to be very gentle, nurturing, caring with those parts of ourselves. Because the parts of ourselves that I think for a lifetime we've fought against, we've been ashamed of, we've been embarrassed by, we've been betrayed by. And I remember I was talking to one individual. And she had suffered a lot of sexual and physical abuse at a very young age and had kind of turned off her femininity as a way to protect herself, which makes sense to me. And so we were going after, we wanted to talk to that feminine part of her. And it was interesting because the individual saw her as, I don't know how old she was. This part was maybe seven years old, but she was hiding under a bench. 
and was very fearful and very mistrustful and really had to be coaxed out in yeah. order to, to have a, a conversation, which again, makes complete sense to me. Yeah. I'll never uh, forget. Um, I, I had to go to acting school to make my film. <laughs> anyway, it was a short course. Anyway, there was one friend that I made in you know acting class and they were talking about my work and so forth and so on. And the guy said, I have not been able to get this part and I've been auditioning for it. And I just failed the last two times. Is there any way you could help me? Cause I know you do emotional work. And I went, okay. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so we had a little session where we talked and this and that all of a sudden, and what brought this up was the corner of your room. All of a sudden, I saw a little child, like six years old, sitting in the corner with his face to the wall mm. and his hands were handcuffed. <sighs> and I said, can you tell me about somewhere around five or six or something and this and that? Oh, yeah, that's what da, 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 da. And this happened and that happened. It was a big thing. And I went, oh, okay. Um, do you want to uh, free him? Does he want to be freed? And then, but I said, you have to ask for permission. That's another thing. Mm. We have to ask the inner critic if we can free the child, because if we don't, we overstep our bounds. Right. And get everything gets thrown down. And Those I'm sure protectors. you know that. Yeah. yeah. You got to ask permission. You go, yeah. That, that's okay. He said so. I said, okay. So we worked with the little child about a half an hour, you know, coaxing him, talking to him. We found you. Thank you so much. Would you like to um, see the sunlight? Would you like to turn around? And, you know, that would be this. And I'm here, you know, all that, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. nice things. And then, you know, would it be okay if we took those things off your wrist? Do you want them on? He says, no. I don't want them. I said, okay, then we'll take them off. Is that a, so we took them off and then he stood up and he started dancing. Hmm. It was like, oh my goodness. I mean, like I see this thing. Yeah. I'm like, wow, this is, I'm getting goose pimples. Yeah. yeah. Dancing, dancing. And then he took the guy, his name was Michael, his hands and they start dancing together. Hmm. Well, three days later, I got a phone call from him and he got the part. Wow. First time in five years. Oh, that's fantastic. Great story. Yeah, it's the whole it's process true. is fascinating to me because partly I think as we learn to speak to these internal parts more effectively, more in a more caring and nurturing manner, I think it almost provides a blueprint for how we communicate with others in the of course. real world. Of course. Yeah. So I, I talked to my clients. I said, I'm teaching you about the shame, guilt, and how to work with yourself and other people and you're teaching your kids i can't teach your kids these are your kids they're not mine when you say your kids are those are you referring to parts or are you referring yeah. to okay yeah your parts clarify. Yeah. They're, they're not mine yeah and they said why do you say that i said because if you don't take care of them like you opened it up and you talk and all, and then you forget about doing the work every day, trying to talk with them or saying, hi, how are you? Or wear blue because they like blue or something like that. 
they come to me. In my dream time, I've had hmm. parts of other people come to me and I have to send them back. I said, hmm. I can't help you. Your owner has to help you. I couldn't believe that happened, John. Well, and I think it's a really good part, a really good point in terms of if you're doing this kind of work, it's ongoing conversations with these parts of yourself. It's like creating new relationships in a way that are ongoing. And they will leave you. For a long period of time, if you don't, if you take them out of the misery and you don't talk to them again, you're really in trouble. So I really warn people when I first start with them that this is an ongoing process. Now, do I talk to my parts every time? No, not now, because we're just like hand and glove all the time. Right. But in the beginning, I, I, it was, it's, a, it's, a, it's a commitment. Yeah. But heck, people go to therapy once a week for five years. <laughs> you, you know that story <laughs> yeah well so lois i'm aware of time and unfortunately i have to wrap up i've really enjoyed this conversation so thank you very much and is there anything i didn't ask you that i should have and also where can people get a hold of you if they're if they want to find out more yeah loishollis.com okay, so l-o-i-s-h-o-l-l-i-s.com and i have three websites on my website okay so that's where you can find my films my podcasts and all the stuff is free. Are any of the films out now? Yeah. They're all okay. out. Oh, fantastic. I'm good film. I'm okay. good film. I made shame guilt visible because if you see it, then you, you see, you believe what you see. Yeah. It makes it more concrete for us. Well, of course, because I keep saying shame guilt's a thing and they go, it's a feeling. I said, it's a, it's a thing that activates like a computer virus. Yeah. You don't see the virus, but you really know what it does to your computer. You know the right? effects. Yeah. Okay. That's shame, guilt, energy. And also, please, if you feel to share my film out of Discord into Harmony, because it really helps people to know these parts are there and you can talk to them and they talk back to you. Yeah. You know, and of course you have the inside outside thing too. But yeah, inside um, out, it's out. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Inside out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I think that was a good step in the right direction too, that movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. It, that's good. Well, it's been fun, John. Um, and thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Well, vice versa. All is good. And that is it for this episode of the Evolved Caveman Podcast. If you liked this episode, please, please rate, review, and share. If you didn't like it, you don't have to do a damn thing. Thanks so much. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Evolved Caveman Podcast. If you like what you've heard, support us by subscribing, leaving reviews, and sharing the podcast with friends and colleagues. For the latest, most powerful tools to connect with like-minded men, join the Facebook group at The Evolved Caveman. Follow Dr. John on Instagram at The Evolved Caveman, all one word, or join the email list by visiting guidetoself.com. 